Welcome to Bracket U, a college basketball bracket podcast brought to you by Delphi Bracketology. This is our 10th episode of the season, and we are beginning are in the middle of our eighth year of bracketology work and want to bring you updates each week uh, to those of you who want to know where your favorite team stands in regards to the NCAA tournament. This podcast is uh, for you junkies who have March Madness all season long. We're able to create new content thanks to sponsorship of Coca-Cola Bottling of Kokomo and the generous donations of our followers. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for creating our intro music and to Jared Morris of the Assembly Call for inspiring us to branch out and do things uh, like these podcasts. Uh, joining me tonight is Cade Nelson, our junior editor of Delphi Bracketology, and Luke Smock, our senior editor of Delphi Bracketology, two of Delphi's finest uh, in in anything, but also finest in bracketology. Fellas, how are we doing this evening? Good. How are you? Very good, Cade. Luke, you doing all right? They gave me the thumbs up, so we're ready to roll. We are going to be talking about our seed lines. We had a meeting today. We're on a snow delay here in central Indiana, and we went through seed lines 1 through 11 and our bubble teams uh, with about 10 people in a uh, Google Meet. And so we hammered out some things, and we're going to share with you every seed line uh, that we have. So here we go. Seed line 1, that will come out tomorrow. Auburn. Gonzaga, Baylor, and Purdue. And uh, Luke, we'll, we'll come to you with uh, your Purdue fandom. Uh, there's a big game tonight at 8 o'clock that might affect Purdue's uh, number one seed. Yeah, we talked about that this morning. Um, between Purdue and UCLA is what we were really looking at. Our other three we were pretty locked in on. Um, and honestly, looking at it, I think, I think if UCLA won – on the road to Arizona, I think they would go ahead and move up to the one seed, and sadly Purdue would probably drop down to two, but there's still a lot of time left. So Yeah, we, we think that Purdue has a lot of chance in the Big uh, Ten to get some wins and keep building their resume. You know, there, there's quite a few teams when we get to our two-seed line that really any of these eight teams can find their way in. Auburn and Gonzaga are pretty steady right now. Baylor has lost uh, three out of their last seven but maintain a really good resume, so they stay on our line. And for right now, it's Purdue. Uh, if tomorrow's seed list is different, it's because UCLA goes on the road and beats Arizona. I think we will make that move overnight. Uh, Cade, we're going to come to you now. The the two seeds, UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke. And, and we had some conversation between Duke and Wisconsin for the last two-seed line. Uh, share with our uh, our viewers that discussion, please. Yeah, so we talked about how Wisconsin has such a good resume that they could easily move up to where Duke is right now. And especially other teams in the three-seed line kind of bounce around ideas about whether Duke should stay up or maybe Kentucky or Kansas should drop for a team like Wisconsin. But that was ultimately the big thing about whether Duke should stay where they're at right now or whether a team below them should come up. Yeah, and, and that team below in the three seed line for us was Wisconsin that we were considering moving up to the two seed line, seven and four in quad one. Uh, we do look at trends, uh, and I know some bracketologists don't don't really think the net matters a, a whole lot, the actual net, but we, we do see some trends uh, back even to the RPI days of single-digit um, – rankings rpi or net for for seed line one and seed line two and right now we have an 11 
net UCLA on the seed line two and 12 uh, Duke. We think their resumes are deserving of that uh, despite that trend, but um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that going forward. So, fellas, our three seed line uh, right now, Wisconsin is that three seed, maybe even a, a, a two seed. Uh, Texas Tech, Arizona is a really tough team to um, judge right now, and Houston. And, and I'll get both of you to think, uh, talk about this, your thoughts. Arizona is a three net overall, but they're only one and two in, in quad one, and they don't have losses outside of that, which is, is good. And, and then you have Houston, who is uh, the second-rated net team. They're 18-2 and two overall. They're 0-2 in, in quad one. We have them on the three-seed line because of their high net ranking, but we don't think their resume is deserving of that, and that caused us a lot of discussion today. Cade, we'll start with you. Your, your thoughts on uh, Arizona and Houston? Yeah, for me, these are the like most difficult teams to kind of seed and move around. But I think the biggest thing, and I just kind of realized this looking at it now, is we talked um, a couple weeks ago, I know Luke did, about uh, rewarding teams that play a tougher schedule. And looking at this now, especially with Houston and Arizona's resumes, obviously they don't have very, like, really any wins that we would, like, consider as good wins in quad one. And a team like Providence that's below them right now with that has a tougher schedule um, than both of them, I think it, we might take that into consideration trying to put aside the net. We've talked about that too, how we can't let the net like become overbearing. But especially looking at strength of schedule, we have to realize that teams might have a higher net because they play a tougher schedule like a Providence where they might be able to move up to where Houston is right now. Luke, your thoughts about these two teams? Really high net, outstanding record, 17-2 and two and 18-2, and two, but really not a whole lot of quad one wins. Um your, your thoughts about them on the three seed line and either moving up or moving down. Yeah. Well, those teams are definitely the hardest. to judge. And honestly, you wish you could just schedule some games where they would play some people who are <laughs> a little bit better. Um, but all it means for them is they can't lose those games. That they're supposed to win. And as long as they, they win all those games, that they're supposed to, it's hard to penalize them for not playing tough opponents. So I think, and especially with the, like the nets that high, it's, it's so hard to move them down any further. It's the same way with Gonzaga is every year. Right. And we looked at Houston's trend, um, uh, similar single-digit seed lines in the past, uh, and they've been a three-seed and a four-seed with low quad one win uh, numbers before. So we believe that the committee will look fondly on their record. And they're playing without two outstanding members of their starting lineup. And so I think that takes into that is taken into consideration as well, whether that moves them down into that four seed line um, going forward, because they really haven't they haven't beaten anyone anyway, let alone beaten anyone with um, with their new uh, lineup in anyway. So that we go to the four seeds, and boy, there's some interesting teams here on the four seed lines. You have three Big East teams: one Villanova with a low net of seven but has six losses and are four and six in quad one. And then you have Providence at 29 in the net ranking and Marquette 25, and both of them have great wins. Uh, Marquette has uh, those seven losses versus Providence two. And so, you know, we have um, we have them here on our four seed line with Illinois being the last four seed, and we moved them up. Uh, we moved Illinois up based on their win over Wisconsin and the fact that they have uh, played – um, 
without Kofi Coburn and um, Curbelo, their point guard, for a while too. So Providence and Marquette, let's focus on, on them. Do they, they have the resume to move up? Should we have them higher, Luke? Yeah, I think the problem is with that is with nets that high going into a top three seed and you're in the high to mid-20s, that's just difficult for us to do. You wish you could because they're beating really good teams and they're playing really good teams. But just the way the trends go and the way the previous years go, it's hard to do that. Cade, your thoughts on teams like Providence and Marquette that have really outstanding wins, uh, but their net ranking is a little bit high. Cade, you got it. Uh, Luke does, especially with – I think the same thing Luke does with how tough it is for the fact that we want to move these teams up, but their net is just not where it needs to be to move up to the three-seed long. So where they're at is fine. But for a different team, like uh, just a quick question, what does their – them not having their star in Kobe Coburn, how far does that – like what does the committee like really look at when – a player's injured. Like, how far does that move them up or yeah, down with wind? The, the committee looks for what the team's going to be like at tournament time. And so they take into effect that um, what was Illinois when they had Curbelo and Kofi Coburn out on the floor together? Um, they don't change a loss. A loss to Marquette early without those the, those two still counts as a loss. But it, what I think what happens is if Illinois – like we moved Illinois up over Michigan State today, I think the tiebreaker might be, you know, Illinois lost a few games without their best players, it, and, and they're playing better now. They beat a good team like Wisconsin with everyone back. So that might be a tiebreaker situation. When you have Illinois up against Michigan State, Tennessee, Ohio State, Alabama in our five seed line, I think, Cade, to answer your question, that is when – the committee looks at that. They also look at a major shift. Like Houston started the season with the lineup and was winning, and now they've lost two for the rest of the season. Now they're going to evaluate Houston on what does that team – can that team win uh, big games as it is situated right now, and they'll be watching Houston from that point forward on. But, you know, there's been a lot of COVID absences, a lot of individual injuries. The committee has people watching every conference and every team, so they're aware of games that happen. But there are so many – that uh, I think it kind of balances out at some point. But if someone had a three-week, four-week injury, I, I do think the committee looks at their results, uh, both positive and negative, during that. You're listening to um, the Bracket U, a podcast here at Delphi Bracketology. I'm Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with uh, Luke Smock and Cade Nelson. Uh, if you're watching, we, we have a few live visitors here on, on YouTube. Uh, feel free to ask questions in the chat. We'll, we'll try to get to them here at the back end if you have any questions. If you're listening on the audio version of the podcast, make sure you con- connect with us at DelphiBracketology.com and on Twitter at Delphi Brackets. In February, we'll be trying to stay in touch there as much as possible and answer questions that you may have about your favorite team. So the, the five seed line guys, Michigan State, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Alabama, a lot of these teams are under 500. Uh, in the quad one, but have very few losses uh, in quads uh, two, three, and four. That's why they're ranked high. They also have uh, good, solid nets. The toughest team is Alabama. Uh, Alabama has just outstanding wins in getting six uh, quad one wins and two quad two wins, but they also have some bad losses, and they have eight total losses. So, Cade, what do you do with the team – like Alabama, we have them 20th overall, a five seed. 
Do you like them there, or do you think they should be um, di- uh, in a different spot? I think I like them where we're at or where they're at right now. The biggest thing is if we were to drop them, who would move up for them? So the biggest thing for me is that, and I think right now, I think the quality of wins outweighs the losses. So I think where they're at right now is fine. And Luke, you disagreed this morning in our meeting. You were advocating to switch Xavier, the first six seed, to the five in Alabama. Share um, share with our listeners how these discussions goes. And, and you were just outvoted because I think most of us looked at the quality of wins. But Xavier has a better uh, overall resume, possibly. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, when I was looking at it this morning, I was like, you can't be losing quad three games and losing all these games and still be so high. But, I mean, you convinced me pretty well. If you look at it, they have the best strength of schedule in the, in the country, and their net is still surviving for these losses that they've taken. So, and they've, they've only won one game on the road all year. So that's that's what I was looking at. But then you, you convinced me pretty well to leave them where they're at for now. But at some point, you can't keep losing and being so inconsistent and staying so high. I, I think um... – Luke, that is the toughest thing in all the years we've been doing bracketology is a team like that that's inconsistent. Good wins, bad losses, uh, win three in a row, lose two in a row. Uh, you know, how do you balance that out and, and where do they go? But you're, you're spot on. You can't take too many more losses. Um, and, and Alabama, the SEC is tough, so they're going to. But it'll be interesting to see where we end up putting them and where the committee uh, puts them. They're they're capable of beating anyone and and losing anyone anyone right now. But we have them as a five seed. Uh, I could see them as a six seed. Our, our six seed line is Xavier, Iowa State, Texas, and LSU. Uh, these teams have a pretty uh, good amount of quad one wins from anywhere from three to six. Uh, the only team with a quad three loss is LSU, who is really falling fast. They've lost quite a few games in a row. At one point, they were up in the two seed line for us. They're all the way down now to the 24th overall seed and the sixth seed. Uh, Texas is a, has been a team that's kind of tough to gauge, too, at the net of 16 Three and five in quad one, and four and one in quad two. Uh, these these are some good teams with solid um, solid resumes. I, I kind of find it hard to move them up or down. Um, Luke, your thought on our six seed line? Yeah, I think we we definitely can't move these teams down. I think all these four teams here are way better than the teams below them in the seven eight range. Um, and moving up, I think this one this is one you really need to watch. For maybe Xavier or Texas, possibly to pass Alabama here soon. One good win, one bad loss, something like that. I think then a change could be made in that direction. Yeah, I, I think there could be a lot of movement between the five and six seed line. Um, you know, I think Tennessee's could, could fall, even Michigan State. Uh, they've been uh, able, to, you know, they lost Northwestern and then they've kind of just been winning. Uh, some big games, but close games. So I think the six and five line will be uh, interchangeable. Kate, anything stand out here uh, in the six seed line for you? Not, not really. I think what I mean the biggest thing that really stands out is the fact that we need to watch these teams to see what could possibly happen with teams above them or below them, and the fact that these teams could really move up whenever they want to off one good game, like Luke said. So I think this is where we just kind of have to wait it out and see what happens so it becomes more clear that we can really figure out what we're going to do with these teams. 
So I, I, I think our fellow teacher, Ben Gleason, uh, got into YouTube and put the Duke number one no matter what. If it's not you, Ben, uh, Ben Ben Gleason, fellow teacher in our school, is a real big Duke fan, and, and he commented. So we appreciate the live comments. Duke will always be number one in, in your mind, yes, but they're a three seed for us. But appreciate the, the, the participation. So um, anyway, the seven seed line are good teams but they have low number of quad ones. Uh, every one of our seven seeds has two quad one wins, uh, and they have multiple two, three, four, quad two wins, and they uh, and the Nets are 17 between 17 and 30. Uh, our seven seeds uh, are Connecticut, USC, Indiana, and Iowa. And, Cade, I think these teams are right where they need to be. I think they've benefited from other teams losing – uh, and not putting pressure on moving up to the seven seed line because there's only a, uh, maybe one team in the eight seed line that could put pressure on these teams. But I also think, you know, it was brought up, I'm not sure these teams can move up into the six seed line unless they get multiple victories uh, in a row. Um, Cade, your, your thoughts on uh, any of these teams on the six seed line, UConn, USC, Indiana, Iowa, on the seven seed line, I mean. Um, I think the same thing that, like you were saying, I agree with you completely that these teams are just kind of feeding off of other teams' losses and letting that kind of decide where they're going to be. I know that Indiana was able to get a big win over um, Purdue and Ohio State, so they obviously did some stuff to push themselves back up to where they're at right now. But it's like any of these teams, Iowa and USC, these teams just kind of have – been decent so there's nothing too special about any of them but they're just quality teams that i like where they're at right now you know the, the way they've played um you, you think they would probably be an eight or nine seed to be honest but i it's hard to find anyone below when, when you start getting down to some of these teams that i don't think they have the quality uh, of wins that you know uconn and indiana's two wins there are, are really outstanding wins uh, when you compare them to U usc and so forth so luke uh, your thoughts here about our seventh uh, seven seed line yeah you're uh you're a big ie fan and looking at them it looks like they just like to play the worst teams they can find to <laughs> pat their resume a little bit um so i don't think i don't think it's kind of the whole seven seed line looks like so i don't think any of them can necessarily move up at all but right. like you're saying there's no one below them that can really pass them at the moment so i think i like the way we're sitting right now usc it's um that was tweeted out on social media i forget who to give credit to uh so so if that person's listening please know that it's not original research here but usc uh 15 of their 18 wins are against net teams 100 uh and above so I just saw that before, and that's after our meeting. But USC's twenty-six net; they they're eighteen and three and six and two in the quads. But we might have to go back and relook at the their strength of schedule is three seventeen non-conference. Indiana's strength, non-conference strength of schedule is three thirty-seven. Those have typically uh, pushed teams a little bit lower. So if Indiana and USC start dropping, it's because of their schedule. Uh, but again, Indiana has more opportunities. Iowa on the seven seed has more opportunities in a good Big Ten to get some some quad one wins and move up. Our eight seed line uh, is TCU, which was out of our bracket a week or so ago and has had some quality wins uh, recently. Um, St. Mary's, Loyola, and BYU. And usually on the eight and nine seed line, this is where you find some of the best small major conference winners or at-large teams uh, slot in 
traditionally from the committees, and each committee is different, uh, but we also try to identify trends. The only team right now that I think has the quality wins to maybe move up to a seven seed is TCU, but I I have difficulty with the 40 net and them being out uh, previously uh, moving up. Um, and I think our eight and nine seeds are interchangeable, so I'm going to give you our nine seeds as well. Boise State, Colorado State, North Carolina, and Arkansas. So I think you can probably interchange eight and nine seeds right now. These are all good teams that have 15 or more wins overall. Uh, they, they range from zero quad one wins for North Carolina to uh, a high of four quad one wins for TCU and Boise State. Cade, any thoughts about our eight or our nine seed line? I think the biggest thing uh, or the most important thing to watch on the nine seed line is North Carolina and the fact that they have no quad one wins, but what happens when they are able to get a quad one win? What do you do with them? Being that their net is 35 and that their strength of schedule is a 62. So they're going to start, especially being in the ACC, they're going to start playing these quad one games that they need to win. Obviously they have been playing those games at 0 and 6, but I think I forget who we were talking about that they play earlier today. But Peyton mentioned that oh, if they, got they do get that one win, yes, that's right, Duke. If they are able to pick up that win against Duke, then what does that do for them to move them up? And if not, just keep them there, but to build on their resume. So I think for me, um, North Carolina is the big, the best team to watch. And, and the other thing is they have no losses outside of Quad One. They're 0 and 6 in quad one, and they're 4 and 0 in quad two, 7 0 in quad three, 5 and 0. Uh, you know, the 0 and 6 kind of sticks out to you. Um, but, um, it, you know, if they were to, to get a, a quad one win or a couple of them down the road, you, you know, I think you're going to see them uh, in the eight seed line outside chance. Their strength of schedule and four wins on the road. Um, again, Kate, I think that's a good point there to keep watching. North Carolina. Luke, our eight and nine seed lines, uh, any thoughts about teams to watch or concerns about um, the teams we have on the eight or nine seed line? Yeah, I agree with Cade wholeheartedly. Um, I like I like North Carolina a lot, um, especially if they can pick up that win at Duke. According to Ben, they that won't happen. Um, <laughs> but looking at these teams in this area, a lot of them have a pretty bad loss in quad three or four. So I like to uh, help teams out that have not lost in those two back quadrants. So in North Carolina, they haven't even lost in quad two. Right. So if they can pick up a couple wins. I think that'll boost them a lot because the rest of the teams in this area have all suffered some losses in the, for their quadrants. Yeah. You know, I'm more likely to, to look away from a quad three loss because sometimes that's just in the buckets of how the numbers are, are you know, you lose, you lose at home to a team that's 77 or 78. That That's almost a, a, a tournament team. That's a quad three loss. But a quad four loss does really stick out to to, to you. Uh, I agree with that. And, and, and what Luke's talking about, too, is what I think we've had some success because we have a, a bunch of people to bounce ideas off of, and it's very similar to the committee. Some committee members will look at losses and, and move teams down because of their losses. Other committee members might like the quality of wins. We had that with the uh, Illinois uh, question. Should should we move? Um, well, it wasn't Illinois. It's uh, Alabama. The the Alabama discussion of between a five and Xavier. You know, if you like uh, 
you know, quality wins, it's Alabama. If you like the number of wins, it's Xavier, the road win. Uh, if you don't like, uh, Alabama's had too many losses. So each committee member brings a unique uh, perspective to uh, the, the bracket world uh, as well. For me, the toughest team uh, right now is Arkansas. Uh, they got off to a really bad start. Yesterday they were uh, 51 net, and they had a really big blowout win on the road, which really moved their metrics, their net, up to a 37 uh, they have two quad three losses, and again, for me, I, somehow I look at those losses, uh, and, and I, I might have to recalibrate a little bit because it's who you play and who you beat. Um, and I, there's a team that has a lot of quad four losses down the road that I'm really starting to like to to send in the tournament. Uh, Luke's shaking his head. We'll get to that on on the bubble. But Arkansas is a team for me to watch to possibly move down. Boise State has a huge game at Wyoming, not only for conference leadership, but Wyoming's one of those teams we're going to talk about here coming up. Uh, that's a good game on tonight, later on. You have Colorado State. The Mountain West has some good basketball um, in there, and now they're at a point where they're trying to they're going to beat up each other a little bit in their conference play. Our 10 seed lines are a bunch of traditional power schools um, that, that have struggled. Seven or more losses overall, net of 41 through 67 on these four teams, uh, but they have some quad one wins and quad two wins. Seton Hall uh, is uh, our first number 10 seed, Oklahoma, Creighton, and Oregon. All have taken some losses. All have some good wins. Oregon's beaten USC and UCLA. Creighton has some outstanding wins as well. Um, Luke, uh, when you see some traditional seeds on the 10 seed line, is there anyone here that you think should be moving up or moving down? Uh, no, but just looking at this seed line as a whole, I mean, look at the strength of schedule of all four of these teams. Like yeah. They're playing really good competition, and they're winning – some big games. They've lost some, but they're also winning some big games. So I feel like you got to keep them where they're at with um, with the teams that they're playing, the strength of schedule that they have. I mean, maybe jumping for Arkansas or North Carolina might be an option, but then, then you have to choose which one of the four that you really like. And looking at it, I don't necessarily know which team I'd like to move up. A yeah, line. Creighton has the highest net at 67. Um and, and Oregon's at 58, and those kind of nets have generally been in the 10, 11, and, and 12 seed line traditionally. Uh, but I agree I agree with you. I, I really would urge the committee, if they ever listen to Delphi Bracketology, to reward people who play people. Um, even if your record is a little bit – you know, I'd rather have a team that's uh, the, 20, the 28th non-conference like Oregon, 48 overall strength of schedule – 28 non-conference strength of schedule, and they're 12 and 7. I'd rather have a team like that than a team that's 340, like a team I kind of root for, um, where where you didn't play a whole lot of people in, in the non-conference. So um, I like rewarding teams that that have those good schedules, and I think the committee has done that some in the past. Kate, our 10 seed line, anyone stand out there as far as uh, teams to watch moving up or down? Did we lose Cade? We might have lost. Oh, no, there's Cade. Cade, your thoughts on the 10 seed line? All right. Sorry, it was lagging a little That's bit. all right. Are we still talking about um, yeah, Creighton and Oklahoma? Yeah, 10 seed line. All? Yep. All right. I think if you can still hear me, I'm not sure. But um, I, th I agree with both of you in the fact that these teams are – Solid, and they're playing good teams, but 
with having quad three losses, I'm not sure if we can really uh, move them up any further now. But they're definitely – they need to be in the tournament with the games they've won and the teams they've played. So so now we get to our 11 and our 12 seed uh, line, the last uh, at-large teams, which is what we call the bubble. Uh, and I'm just going to list through these. Uh, we have two teams here who are conference leaders right now that are – in our bracket tomorrow will be automatic qualifiers. Uh, they're really going to have to win the tournament at that point. We have San Diego State uh, on the 11 line, uh, Murray State, Davidson, and Miami of Florida. Murray State and Davidson are automatically in because of their conference leading um, status right now. Uh, and then Wake Forest, San Francisco, Wyoming, and we moved Notre Dame in uh, because of their win at Miami, despite their loss to Duke. That was a they're a 72 net. We're not too fond of that. Um, we thought our last uh, uh, last three teams in were were highly controversial for us, even at this point. But you have one, you have six teams there that are on the bubble. If you watch a lot of or read a lot of bracketology, it's the last four buys and then the last four in. So our last six teams in are San Diego State, Miami, Florida, Wake Forest, San Francisco, Wyoming, uh, and Notre Dame. And the reason we went with Notre Dame was strength of schedule. 29 non-conference, 46 overall, five wins on the road, two and five in quad one, three and one in quad two, and only a quad three loss. So they're, they're five and six, one game under 500, in the first two quads, and we just felt that they were the best uh, of the teams that were out at that point. That doesn't mean that that's going to be our final decision, but in a snapshot right now. Um, Luke, coming back uh, to you, these six teams, San Diego State, Miami, Wake Forest, San Francisco, Wyoming, Notre Dame, uh, who's the most vulnerable to fall out, in your opinion? Definitely Notre Dame, um, just because they have such a high net. And they their record isn't the greatest compared to the teams around them but once we get to the bubble here in a minute it's kind of hard to choose who to put over them and they've had a couple good wins and they're hanging on so i think we leave them in for now but that's the team to watch one bad loss and they're definitely getting out of there Cade, um, those last six teams is there a team that uh, you think is more likely to fall out than others i agree with luke right now just because the Notre Dame, their net is so high. And if there was another team that might have a chance of falling out, um, I think it could be maybe Wyoming, maybe Wyoming. And I'm only saying that because um, there's really, like I think Notre Dame is really the team to fall out. But to just throw around another idea, Wyoming only has one quad one win. And I know so does Wake Forest. And maybe even Wake Forest might be the team to fall out because Wake Forest only – or their strength schedules 113, and they're 1-3 and three in quad one. So I think right now the easiest idea is Notre Dame, but watching Wyoming and Wake Forest is definitely an option as well. I think the ACC is struggling this year to get teams in. We have three ACC teams in our last six, uh, but I do think one of those ACC teams is likely to fall out, Miami, Wake Forest – or Notre Dame uh, because of, of just getting some losses. I've uh, been a big fan of Wake Forest and Jake LaRavia on a lot of shows. Jake uh, is an Indianapolis product, 6'8 kid, went to Indiana State for a couple years, just transferred down there and is having an outstanding year in the ACC. Uh, really, the Wake Forest, San Francisco, and Wyoming – 
I, I have a special place for me. I, I like those schools. Wyoming's new. Wake Forest has been uh, down in the ACC. I like to see teams come up and new teams make the tournament. But it's not about liking teams. Uh, in fact, you got to try to put your bias away when you when you evaluate these brackets. Uh, to me, Notre Dame's win over Kentucky might be huge. Um, and then they just beat Miami, who had been a conference leader for a while, on the road. Uh, and so that net is extremely high. But in the last three years, uh, there have been two or three teams, 60 or higher, that have made uh, the – in fact, um, three in 2019, two 60s and a 70, uh, three. And then last year there was a 70 and 72 that made the tournament. So I think you look at teams that are close to 500 in these quad one and two wins that have really outstanding schedules – uh, and went on the road, that combination has a chance of getting you in. So I actually like Notre Dame better than I like Wake Forest and, and Miami. We just have them a little bit higher right now. But I think you guys are right. Notre Dame was the last one in this morning in our meeting. Uh, Wyoming, they win tonight, and I think they move up a little bit. They beat Boise and end their 14 or 15-game winning streak. I think Miami's going to go in. So for me, it's Miami and Wake Forest right now that are, are most likely to fall San Francisco with the loss to BYU, all of those teams have reasons. So to end our, our show tonight, let's go down to the last teams, our first four teams out, uh, West Virginia, Florida, Dayton, and St. Louis. We're going to talk West Virginia and Florida. Both of those teams have um, some reasons to be in, and in a lot of brackets, uh, if you look at across the country, those teams are in. West Virginia has uh, two and seven in quad one, but they've – They've only have one loss outside of that. They've played good teams and lost. Uh, Florida has a win over Ohio State, uh, but their net's uh, 49, and they have a quad four loss. So, uh, and they're only they've won one on the road. So that's why they're out for us. Um, Dayton and St. Louis. Kate, I'll come to you. Of those four teams, our first four teams out. Which team would you be most likely to try to convince us to put in? I think the team that might be the easiest to convince to put in is West Virginia because their net might be a 64, but they're playing the hardest schedule out of the first four teams out right now. So especially, you know, since they've been playing these games, they only have one uh, loss outside of quad one. So I think that this team would actually be, and we had them in the tournament earlier so I think this team is definitely a team that can be moved in, especially since, you know, we had them in before. And especially that those quads are big for them as well. Yeah, and West Virginia has opportunities to pull off some upsets in the Big 12. And if they beat a Texas, a Texas Tech, you know, a Kansas Baylor, if they squeak out one or two of those, those are huge wins that can't be ignored. And we did flip-flop West Virginia and Notre Dame. Luke, um, what what team for you in our first four would you advocate trying to find a place in the bracket? Um, I would say Florida, but I'm going to say this because I was just really looking into it. West Virginia has lost six in a row, and their best win is Connecticut. Connecticut at home. That's their that's their quad one of their quad one wins. And when we were looking at Notre Dame, we said they beat Kentucky and they also beat. North Carolina, which is those wins, I feel like outweigh West Virginia's by quite a bit. Because I think 
I think if you look into it deeper, like there's – I forget the numbers for quad one, but it's a break at like 30. One or, through 30 at home and, and one through 75 on the road is what, what I always rem- have memorized. The others I have to keep looking up. Yeah, but if you look deeper into it, like I feel like if you beat a top quad one, like a top 10 win, that it, that has some importance, I think. And Notre Dame being Kentucky is a really big win. And West Virginia – their best win is Connecticut, which is mid quad one, and they've lost six in a row. So I don't think you can move them up at all. Um, but Florida, that's why I think Florida would be the team to look at over West Virginia because they're going to have some chances too. And the SEC and their net, their net supports their their claim a little bit too. So I think that would be the team to look at over West Virginia. Yeah, and, and Luke uh, brings up a really good point that you'll you'll hear from the committee when they do their reveal, which should be coming up here shortly, uh, one of these next couple Saturdays if they're going to do it again, their midseason reveal, is wins against the bracket. So, you know, you're talking about Notre Dame has three wins against teams that are currently in our bracket, and if Miami would fall out, they still have two. Uh, and West Virginia is sitting at just the one. And so those are things that we talk about tiebreakers when you compare two teams. If Notre Dame and Virginia are fighting for that last spot, uh, those are the things that uh, Notre Dame uh, might have made that push um, there. For me, fellas, it's Dayton, and Luke's going to shake his head because they have three quad four losses. But listen here just a little bit. Those were the three of the first four games. Right after that, they went on the road and beat Belmont and Kansas and won the ESPN Invitational. And they just beat VCU by 30 on the road. They have a 60 net, 15-7 and overall, 3-3 and on the road, three wins in quad one, three and one, three wins in quad two for a record of six and four. Um I think that is one of those where, yes, those quad four will keep you from uh, moving up to the any kind of high seed, but I'm not sure Dayton's knocked out because of those three. No one else, as we scroll down, has six wins in quad one and two, especially with the three quad one wins. Belmont has five. VCU has five. Utah State has five. And no one else, um, you have a couple more teams, Memphis, Florida State, have five between the two of them. Uh, Dayton will have to keep winning in the A-10 if they have a chance to go in. They're not in our bracket right now, but I'm telling people, keep an eye out um, for the Dayton Flyers. So uh, it's time for our game-winning um, question of for the panel. And what team – uh, is the the toughest for you to analyze when we sit down and talk? It's just like you really have no clue which direction uh, you want to go. Cade, we we've kind of talked about some of these teams, but uh, Cade, which team is it for you that is just the toughest to to make a personal decision? It, I think it's two teams. I think it's uh, and it's only two teams because their resumes are very similar. I think it's Houston and Arizona. And I know we talked about it for a solid minute uh, at the beginning of the show. They have no losses in quads two, three, and four, but they have no wins in quad one. And I know I think it might be uh, Arizona with the one win in quad one, but still that's not very good when you're looking at um, being in such a high seed that it to me it's just weird to see them with no wins but both having a great net of um, three and the other team having two. So you can't really move them down further than where they're at right now. 
But one thing to watch uh, out of these two teams if, is if Arizona beats UCLA, that should definitely help them uh, to kind of clear up what where they're at right now and make it a little bit easier for us to see them. Luke, your toughest team to uh, try to make a, a comment about or, or decide where to put. Yeah, mine's definitely Alabama. Like, honestly, they arguably most likely have the best wins of anybody in the whole country. They beat Baylor, Gonzaga, Houston, and Tennessee. And Baylor and Gonzaga are both one seeds. I don't think there's anybody else in the whole country that's beat two one seeds. Um, but also, then they're losing. I don't know exactly who they lost to, but they've lost two quad three games and a couple more quad twos and they're they're barely above 500 overall so that that team is definitely the hardest to look at and really i don't even know what to do with them (laughs) they 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 are a tough team they've lost on the road to missouri and on the road to a tom crean led georgia bulldog team and lost at home to iona and are neutral to iona and davidson and a loss on the road to Memphis. So so they've had their great wins have been uh you know coupled with some losses that are just really 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 uh questionable. I will say that uh, to me it's uh I, I agree with Cade Houston and and Arizona and I agree with Luke on Alabama. If I had to uh add a team uh to this, it's it's generally your smaller schools uh that play good basketball. So so what do you do like our eight and um our eight and nine seed line um, a little bit with what do you do with St. Mary's Loyola Boise state that don't quite play the schedule, of the big 12 and big 10. So their numbers are down, but they're good basketball teams. You get down to the uh, 11 seed line. You have Murray state with a quad um, with two quad one wins and, and a 28 net and Davidson at 50 with two quad one wins. Those teams are really, really difficult for me to really compare, um, you know, where, where to put them on, on the seed line. And that's just, uh, for, for everyone listening, that's just a little bit of what we do. We, we had a, a, a full meeting via Google meet today and, and hammered out this seed list. And I think Luke and Cade did a great job of talking about some of the, the tough decisions that we have. And hopefully by sharing that with you, you get to see kind of what the committee kind of goes through and, and how we kind of, uh, judge things and, and come to, Uh, our conclusion so that'll do it for this episode of bracket you we will be back next uh, week Uh, check our website delphibracketology.com we'll have seed list and bracket updates uh, bracketology updates every tuesday and friday Uh, we also have a show on isc sportsnet which comes out a television studio show where we do some similar things to this show but also some different things we we film that tuesday afternoons and that it comes out tuesday at six o'clock uh on social media if you want to watch that if you don't have a subscription to isc sports network and also twitter at delphi brackets this is the time to interact send us questions and we will try to answer them as quickly as possible uh we also encourage you to think about donating uh we we buy these guys shirts we buy the equipment we pay for web pages and uh, and all kinds of things here coming up in the next few months to to try to continue to bring the best information that we can to you. If you're so inclined, we would appreciate that. And until next time, may your team win big games and win them on the road. For Cade Nelson and Luke Smock, I'm Brian Tonsoni. Until next week. <laughs>